Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 10 through 16, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, and Psalm 80, verse 1 through 7, and 16 through 18. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when I was in high school, I performed in a play called Love Letters by A.R. Gurney. And I won't give away the whole plot of Love Letters. Actually, it's, it would be impossible to. There is no plot. It's just two people sitting side by side reading letters back and forth to each other. As an actor, by the way, this was great because I didn't have to memorize any lines. It was all right in front of me, and I, couldn't, I wasn't in trouble for reading it. That was my job, to read the letter. So I played the boy. I had that going. And then the, the girl was right next to me playing the girl, and we read these letters back and forth to each other, written uh, by these two characters throughout their lives. They meet as children at camp, summer camp, and you know, develop a little crush, but then they go off on their separate ways and in their separate lives, and the play takes place over the lifespan, over the span of their lives, and their lives are not spent together. Their lives are apart, and so the story of the play is really just the story of two people writing letters back and forth throughout their life, writing letters of love and connection, writing letters of longing. Maybe we'll see each other again someday. What will that look like? Well, you know, love letter stuff. Mushy and beautiful and idealistic and romantic and wonderful. Throughout Advent, we've been focusing on these epistles, these letters to churches, and, it's these, and particularly right now, we're looking at Paul's letter to a church in Rome. We're looking at that in the readings in Advent. We'll see them pop back up later on next year, actually, throughout the summer, spring and summer. You're going to hear a lot, and we're going to preach exhaustively from Romans. So you'll get really used to it. We're also studying Paul's letter to the church in Rome in our Thursday morning Bible study, and all are welcome to join that either online or in person. But so often when we read these letters from the New Testament... We think of them as if Paul or whoever else is writing is sitting down and trying to construct a theological argument, is trying to basically say, all right, we've got a church, now let's, uh, let's, describe, let's describe and delineate the theology of this church. Because that is where we derive so much of our theology as a church is from these letters. But the truth is, whenever we're opening up those letters in the New Testament, we're just reading love letters. We're reading letters that Paul or someone else writes to a congregation to remind them of their utter and total belovedness, of the fact that they are completely and totally loved by the God who has never abandoned them and will never abandon them. Now we can create all sorts of theologies, doctrines, and dogmas around that, I'm a church guy. I like theologies, doctrines, and dogmas. But the reality is that those letters were written to specific communities 
not to construct a grand plot, but to, to address a very specific concern in people's lives. And if you really want to boil that concern down to one concern, it's are we loved? But are we loved? Paul's answer, yes. Always yes. Emphatically yes. Repeatedly yes. You are loved. This would seem overly simple, except that 2,000 years later, we find ourselves wondering, am I loved? So the letters, these love letters, keep being read. We keep reading these letters where Paul says grace to you, God's grace, God's love, grace to you and peace. In this letter, Paul, at the very beginning that we read, that, that, that uh, Bill read for us today, we, we hear Paul talk about just the basic theme of you belong. He's writing a letter to a group of people who are made up of both Jewish and Gentile converts. These are people who, up until a few years ago, didn't have any idea of who Jesus was or what any of that meant. And now they're Jesus' people. And so now they belong to each other and they're trying to figure out how to live together, how to share life. And Paul is writing them a letter to remind them of the foundational truth, which is however they're going to live their life, it needs to be rooted and grounded in the truth of their belovedness and their belongingness to God and to one another. This is the most fundamental truth about our faith. You are loved and you belong. But that's not even big enough because what Paul wants to remind these people is that the love of God is expansive. It's not just for one person or one group of people, but it gets bigger and bigger. So he points out that the good news, which is the, good, the, the truth of our belovedness, is not just for one tribe or people. It's not just for his, his crew. Paul's an Israelite. It's not just for the Israelites, but it's opened up to the Gentiles, which means everybody else. So Paul's message is not just that God is, God is love and that God is loving or that God is loving you. It's that God is loving this whole world and that we are meant to live as if that's true. Now love letters, love letters are so powerful in part because you're not actually with the person to whom you're writing them. You write a love letter specifically because I'm over here and you're over there and I miss you. So love letters are filled with longing. Love letters are filled with hope for when we'll see each other again. And they're filled with the most beautiful, grand, romantic language because when you're writing a letter to someone you love, you are thinking about all of the things about them you cherish. You generally don't write a letter to someone you love thinking about all of the things that drive you nuts. In the play love letters, these two go their separate ways. They grow up, they live separate lives, they marry separate people. Down the line after some, after those marriages end, they, they do reconnect and they have, they get together, they have a romantic engagement and you'll never believe this, it's not what they thought it would be. 
This is so true for so many of us. We have this ideal of what things are supposed to be. We even have an ideal of our beloved and what they will be like in our life. And then when we're with them, we go, oh yeah, yeah, you. I mean, I love you and stuff, right, okay, got it, okay. This happens so often. If you've ever gone on a trip and just missed your family, you've been like, oh my gosh, I need to see you again. And then you come back home and 20 minutes later, you're like, when is my next trip? The thing is that we think that these letters, these love letters, Paul is writing these love letters, he's reminding these people of God's love because they, are, they don't see God right in that moment. But Paul even describes the, the, the old scriptures, the Old Testament, the Hebrew writings, the, the prophets and the Torah and the writings, he describes them in, in a way that basically is like their love letters from God for people who are waiting for God to show up. We are preparing for Christmas and we say that on Christmas, God showed up. Jesus is not God's love letter to God's people. Jesus is what happens when the love letters stop and love shows up. When the one you love shows up right in front of you. And if you've read the scriptures, then you know that just like in real life, when we're faced with the person that we've written all these romantic things to, when God actually shows up in Jesus Christ, one of the overwhelming feelings people have is disappointment. Oh, like this? This is how you choose to save us? Through this guy? Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of people follow him. He performs miracles. He teaches amazing teachings. But there is a fundamental disappointment that goes along with Jesus being Jesus because the reality is that they want the Messiah to come in and overnight everything's going to change. Everybody's lives change like that. And it's just undeniable, the presence of God. And maybe one of the most frustrating things for me about God, and I mean genuinely something I really get frustrated with God about is that God's existence and presence is always deniable if you want it to be. It is a matter of faith. God shows up in Jesus Christ and you can look at Jesus and go, nah, I don't buy it. You can have a moment of deep and utter spiritual clarity and understand that you belong to God completely and then the next day you can go, ah, I was just in a good mood. I don't know what that was about. We are completely capable of denying God's presence as it changes our lives because we want everything to be perfect. When love shows up, it needs to feel exactly the way I expected it to feel and look exactly the way I want it to look. That's how I'll know love shows up. Maybe this is why we have such a hard time with Christmas. Like, I'm one of those people who loves Christmas season. I've got my Christmas playlist all queued up and ready to go, and day after Thanksgiving, I put it on, and I drive myself nuts all until... You know, well, till Epiphany, don't forget, Christmas season goes for 12 days, right? So I just go and go and go. Get the tree up and do everything. 
And yet, each year I'm like, that was it? Was that it? Did it happen? Was it Christmas? Was I joyful enough? Did I feel it? Did I feel it? Did it happen? I better get teary-eyed during O Come All You Faithful or it's not really Christmas. Did I feel the love from the right people? Did I love the right people? Call the right people? Text the right people? Was the steak cooked the right way? Did it get all perfect? I can't, um, I can't get my lights up this year. Couldn't get them up. I know you're saying there's still time. No, there isn't. It's over. It's done. <laughs> Don't come by my house. There's like, it's half lit, okay? We got half of them up. And then yesterday, literally, I looked at her, my wife and I said, we're calling it. We're done. And she goes, but, and I go, there's no but. We lose. It's over. It's done. And I have managed to disappoint myself, as I know many of you disappoint yourselves throughout this time. It's a frustrating time, even in its joy, because we're sitting around wondering what joy is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to match it, and what's our part in it, and will we be a part of other people's joy, and have we done enough? And every Christmas completely blows my mind because it's the end of the year, and at the end of the year, we're all sitting there going, did I make it? Was, am I better now? Into this space, into our frustration and fear and uncertainty and discouragement and disappointment with ourselves and others, into this space comes Jesus. Jesus meets us in our disappointment and reminds us of the truth. I love you. I love you for who you are. You keep trying to be something other than what you are, but I love you for this. You want to be better, so I'll love you, but I love you right now as you are. And the work that we're going to do for this world, we're going to love this world as it is. And the healing that we bring about in this world is going to be brought through the love that we have for this world. And the healing that is brought into our hearts is going to be given, the healing that we have is going to be had through the love that God gives us here and now as we are. How then do we prepare? How do we prepare to see God when God shows up? I believe we practice by seeking God's presence in the people right in front of us. I believe this continues to be the truth of how we experience love. And if that sounds disappointing to you, good. That's the point. Real love isn't idealistic. And it isn't perfect. And it's often not romantic. It is saying yes to someone even when they drive you crazy. It is accepting and caring for the person who is imperfect. It is believing or trying to believe in your own belonging, even in your imperfection. Grace to you and peace 
from God. These are Paul's words. You will have plenty of disappointment and frustration in the days to come. It is my prayer that you will also give yourself and others grace. Because that is what God is doing for you right now. Seek God's presence in the imperfect people God places in your life. Seek God's belonging in the imperfect one you see in the mirror. And work for God's peace in this imperfect world that God loves so much. God loves you, and God is with you, in Jesus' name.